thank you for those of you that are reading the Bible. Just in general, make sure you are taking time to read the Bible every day. I know I'm a broken record with that, but I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not shy on that. We should be reading our Bibles every day. Like every day, it would be so foolish for any of us, including me, to think that you could successfully navigate the issues of this world, the things that we're all facing in this world without daily feeding on the word of God. So uh, one way to think about it so that it's not a checklist or just an obligation Fall in love with the Lord again, right? Fall in love with Jesus. He loves you. Love him, right? Fall in love with his word. It's one of the greatest gifts that the Lord has ever given us. I'm so thankful for his son, Jesus, but I'm also just so thankful for the Bible. And I'm telling you, Nehemiah, I was reading it this week, and personally, it just felt like such a gift, like a personal gift to me. And, and that's true for my life, but he wants to do that for your life again. It's a gift that he has given to you. Now, if you remember those first few chapters, again, I loved what Jesse did last week. But Nehemiah, uh, Nehemiah, he hears these struggles about what's happening in Jerusalem. And we've been through Ezra and Nehemiah. I'm not going to recap the whole story, but you know that they were exiles over in Babylon. Some of them came back to Jerusalem. But now Nehemiah is hearing about Jerusalem. And specifically, there's something that troubles him because he's hearing that the walls are broken down. And it's a pretty profound response to hearing this news. The Bible says that he sat down and he wept. He wept, but not just for a couple of minutes, not just for a couple of hours. The Bible says for days he mourned, he fasted, and he prayed. He prayed. By the way, you're going to hear that a lot today, that Nehemiah prays. If you're writing notes, write that one down. Nehemiah prays. At the time, if you remember, he's the cupbearer of the king Artaxerxes, and the king noticed that he was sad, and Nehemiah explains why he's sad. It's because Jerusalem is in ruins. The king asks Nehemiah what he wants. He explains, I want to go rebuild the walls. And the king, amazingly enough, grants his request. And then as Jesse talked about last week, the, this guy, Nehemiah, he goes over to Jerusalem. He doesn't tell anybody. He goes by night. He doesn't tell the officials. He goes by night, and he does this survey. He examines those walls broken down. He examines those gates that have been destroyed by the fires. But then after that initial survey, he gathers the group of officials, and this is what he says. He says, you see the trouble we are in. He's such a good leader. He says, we're, you see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. And so he goes on to say, come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. Verse 18 says that he also told them that the gracious hand of God was on his life. And that's true. You read the Bible. I mean, the hand of God is on Nehemiah's life. And he also tells them what the king had said. So they get to work. They start rebuilding the walls. Debbie last week read chapter 3. Chapter 3 was phenomenal. As, as she was reading it, I, I was just like, wow, like this is incredible. You saw different people working on different sections, right? Different repairs in different sections, all to repair this wall and to restore the gates. And it's awesome. And again, I think Nehemiah, he turns out to be a pretty impressive leader because he gathers a lot of people together to accomplish this task. I mean, so many people. If you look at the list, he, he gets the priests involved. The Levites involved, goldsmiths, perfume makers, temple servants, merchants. The list is long. It's an incredible operation. But then you get to today, and you get to chapter 4. And, and something important happens in chapter 4. I, I don't know if you're going to like it. It might not be very encouraging to you, but it's just the way it is. He faces opposition. You ever faced opposition? 
before. He faces opposition. It's, it's pretty serious. It's in the form of a guy named Sanballat, Sanballat the Horonite. And Sanballat, he gets angry. Like, he gets really angry. The Bible says that he gets greatly incensed. He's raging. And out of that rage, he starts ridiculing those who are working on the wall. He mocks them. Look at what he says. He says, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? And he's not alone. There's a guy named Tobias sitting right next to him. Tobias says, what they are building I mean, talk about ridicule. Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. Wow. Wow. Yeah, haters. Wow. Have you ever tried to do something, you know, like, good for God? You know, like, you're like, God's asked me to do this. And then, like, not just, like, ten days later or, like, ten minutes later, but, like, ten seconds later you face the opposition. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, you start, I mean, just think about it. In the church, you start serving on a team at church, or, or you decide to go on that missions trip, or you start to go to that Bible study, life group, next level, whatever it is, or, or outside of the church, you decide, you know, I'm going to be a witness to my coworker. I'm going to share Jesus with my friend at school, whatever it is. Like, you just take the, like the first step, <laughs> like the first step, and you hit a wall. Anybody else? First step, and bam. You get hit. You get hit. And if we're honest, nobody wants to admit this. I'll admit it for you. But how many times did that initial opposition shut you down? It caused you to quit. You know, no one likes to admit that kind of defeat, but it can happen so quickly. Here's an example for you. Do you remember back in the day when you actually liked helping people move? Right? Like, you, you were there every time. Like, you were like, man, I got like a professional moving company. I mean, you were so good at helping people move. And you were singing, you were dancing, you were serving the Lord, serving people, and it was your joy. And why was it your joy? Because you knew that person was in a stressful moment. We know that moving is like top five greatest stressors in our life. So you're like, man, I'm just helping people, serving God, serving people, singing, dancing, carrying all those cardboard boxes. And then do you remember what happened? As you continued to help people move, you began to experience some pushback. Didn't you? Some opposition. And, and the reality is that people that are moving, they're not always so nice. Because stressed out people are stressed out. And what do stressed out people do? Right? They stress you out. They stressed out people. They're, they're kind of critical. They're kind of grumpy. I, I remember when that happened? Like, you were there helping them out, and they started critiquing how you were carrying their sofa. Like, they started giving you pointers on how to carry their lamp. And there was that moment when you faced the opposition and you broke. Like, I'm just saying it for you. You broke. What happened? You broke. You know it. And you were thinking in your head. You might not have said it out loud. You're thinking, I am literally giving my day off. And I do not care how good this pizza is. I am never going to help again. I'm never doing that again. I'm saying it for you, church. <laughs> It's a, it's a silly example, but I think it's one you can relate to, that we've all been there. 
you face the opposition and we break. We break. I mean, you live long enough, you're going to have times in your life, think of it this way, where you know it's something the Lord is asking you to do. And sure, I mean, it's going to be hard, but it's going to be holy. It's holy. Why is it holy? Because it's something the Lord has asked you to do. But then you did. You, you, you took a step. You took ten steps. You, you, you walked it out. You, you did the thing, and you began to face the criticism, the critique. You encountered the haters, the mockers, the doubters, and you let them shut you down. You've been there. I've been there way too many times before. That's why I love today. I'm so glad you're here. What a good Sunday to be at church because Nehemiah faces some opposition. But what does he do? Actually, what he does is he prays. Again, write that in your notes. Nehemiah prays. He prays. He doesn't quit. He prays. He prays to the Lord. But I want you to hear this. He specifically and strategically prays. Look at what he does. He specifically, strategically asks the Lord to turn Sanballat and Tobiah's insults back on their heads. Isn't that good? But then look what happens. Verse 6. We'll put it up on the screen. We rebuilt the wall. Hallelujah. Till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. That's incredible to me. That's encouraging, isn't it? Kind of challenging. But encouraging. He doesn't back down. He prays and he moves forward in what God is calling him to do. But then when Sanballat, Tobiah, and the others find out that Nehemiah kept those repairs going, they get mad again. They get angry again. In fact, verse 8, look at this. They're so angry, so mad that they all plot together to come and to fight. They're coming to fight. They're going to fight against Jerusalem and they're going to stir up trouble. Okay, think about your life. Can you relate? Can you relate? Again, maybe the opposition you're facing isn't about trying to build a wall, but there's probably something you're facing this week. Maybe you even faced it on the drive-in. You're facing something, but I love being a Jesus follower. Aren't you thankful to follow Jesus? Because have you noticed, it's right there in these kinds of situations, that if you bring these types of situations to the Lord, and actually bring them specifically and strategically to the Lord, pray specifically, strategically to the Lord, have you noticed how he helps you? That he makes you strong and courageous. That he actually gives you the strength to stand upon the solid rock, Christ Jesus. That you can face it, that you can do all this through Christ who gives you strength. The reason I know that is I've seen it in you. We could spend the next three hours just you sharing personal testimonies, personal stories of how you have walked this out. When the opposition came in your life, when the fight came to you, you didn't run. You didn't hightail it out of here. You didn't flee. No. What did you do? You went on your knees. You prayed. You sought the Lord. He heard and he answered. He heard and he answered. And as you heard his voice and as you heard his answer, you said, okay, Lord, I hear what you're saying. And now I'm going to do what you're calling me to do. I love that about you, Life Spring. I love that this room is full of that kind of faith. Praise the Lord. But look at this. This is so good. We're told in verse 9, as they heard about the plot, to fight against Jerusalem and to stir up trouble. Nehemiah says this, verse 9. What did they do? We prayed. We prayed to our God. And then they walked it out and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Such a good leader. But things get worse. That's going to be a theme of today as well. (laughs) Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, 
the strength of the labors is giving out, and there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Uh-oh. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right among them. We'll kill them and put an end to the work. Uh-oh. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Uh-oh. So they're afraid. And let's be honest, if you were in that situation, you'd be afraid too. I'd be afraid. And by the way, there are things that are happening, even now in our world, that could cause us to be afraid. There are things that stir up fear. But again, look at Nehemiah, and this is so important. The Lord's hand is on Nehemiah. Look what he does. Verse 13. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up, and I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. Right? Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. Don't, don't be afraid of them. No, you, you remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. The Lord who is great. The Lord who is awesome. And fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes. Verse 16, from that day on, half the men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building that wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand, held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. And I said to the nobles, the officials, the rest of the people, the work is extensive and and it's very spread out. We are widely separated from each other along this wall. So here's what we're going to do. Whenever you hear the sound of that trumpet, get over there. Join us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued the work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, listen, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so that they can serve us as guards by night, but as workers by day. Isn't that incredible? Guards by night, workers by day. And neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards with me took off their clothes. Each had his weapon, even when he went out for water. As I was sitting with these scriptures this week, uh, I was thinking a lot about you and some of the challenges you're facing, some of the challenges that have been brought into my office the last few weeks. A lot of the challenges you're facing, I, I've noticed there's a common theme. It's often relational, right? It's relational. It's strife amongst friends. It's strife amongst family. And I, and I realize that it is so tempting to run from those conflicts. Oh, man, have I felt the temptation to run some from of those family relationships lately. And yet I know each situation is different and the response is different. You need to be led by the Lord. But often, I think fleeing or running away is probably not the answer. And so I want to help us today that if you're facing something like that, first of all, again, pray to the Lord. Pray. Wait on the Lord. Pray. Allow Him to speak to you. But then the second part of that, is when you pray, you're not just like futilely, like just praying it out into the atmosphere, hoping something sticks. You're praying to a God who actually lives inside of you. And he's one who speaks. He's alive. He's alive and he's alive in you. So listen to what he says and walk out his strategy. When Mary and I were struggling our first two years of marriage, 
we both were thinking, and I'll say it out loud. We were both thinking. In fact, I think we said it out loud to each other. What have I done? <laughs> what have I done? We, we really had a tough first couple of years. I'm so thankful that instead of running, that we prayed. I remember we were so messy, so immature, so just chaos. And yet we loved Jesus, and Jesus loved us. And they were some of the messiest prayers. But I'm so thankful that we prayed those prayers. But here's the deal, church. As we prayed, the Lord did reveal the strategy of heaven to us. And it was a multifaceted strategy. I'll just give you a couple of the things that we began to walk out. One of the things that was so stressful was our finances. We went into like crazy debt, big time debt in those first two years. Don't you know that financial debt can be one of the greatest stressors in a marriage? And yet we were able to start meeting with a pastor who took us back in the day. I think it was called like Financial Peace University. And he walked us through some of those principles and helped us get out of debt. It was a, it was a true life sin, a miracle. Another thing that happened is a couple at our church who saw that we were struggling invited us to go in the car with them. And they took us from Spokane to, was it Missoula? To Missoula, Montana, to go to a conference, to a love and respect conference. And it was there where I realized that I'd really been loving my wife in, in very poor ways. I needed to work on what it looked like to love her. Another thing that we did is we read the five love languages. You remember that one? The five love, and I was like, oh man, I have so much to learn. But also what we did in that season, we started marriage counseling. Marriage counseling. Church, you've heard this before, but I, I want to be a broken record on this. We did marriage counseling off and on for over 10 years. For over a decade. And it was hard work. I'm not going to say it was easy. But I'm so thankful that neither of us ran away when the opposition came. And I'm not making this up. Today is our 18th anniversary. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So what does that look like for you? Right? You've got some heavy opposition in your life. Again, pray specifically. Pray strategically. Let the Lord give you the strategy of heaven. Right? Let him help you. Often his help comes through others. That's why I love life groups. Please join a life group. Be in community with others. Seek godly wisdom. But then also, and this is where some of us get stuck, be brave enough to walk it out. The Lord has already spoken to you. But be brave enough to walk it out. Be strong and courageous in the Lord and walk it out. It might be hard. In fact, it probably will be hard. But it's going to be worth it. Amen. All right, I want to move on to chapter 6 just because of time. Otherwise, we'll run out. But here we are. Chapter 6, whatever opposition was in chapter 4, chapter 6, it gets worse. Look at this. This is unbelievable to me. As I was reading it this week, I was like, wow, this is just incredible. Because when Sanballat, Tobias, and Gessam find out that this wall has been rebuilt, they don't give up. In fact, now they have a new strategy. Their strategy now, and these guys are just liars. I, I can't stand these guys. They, they send this letter. They send this letter to Nehemiah. And look at this. They say, come, Nehemiah, come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. Right, you know, just, just come on out. Nehemiah, come on out. We'll just meet together. Maybe the village on the plain of Ono. I mean, in the words of Admiral Akbar from Return of the Jedi, it's a trap. 
<laughs> it's a trap. And what I love about Nehemiah is he sniffs it out so easily. Look at Nehemiah's uh, response. He sends messengers with this message back to Sanballat and his gang. He says, I'm carrying on a great project. I can't go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? But does Sanballat stop? No. Look, how many times does he send that letter? How many times? Four times. The same message four times. Now, he gives the same answer four times. Four times kind of got me this week, church, because I've found in my life when somebody bullies me, when somebody intimidates me one time, it rattles me pretty good. Anybody, any other one-timers here? Like when those kids tried to mug me on that trail two months ago, you guys heard that story? Man, I was like, I'm never going to that trail again. Now, I'm working on it, church. I was just listening to a podcast this week by a Stanford professor. It was all on how to increase your tenacity, like your tenacity, which I think is important. It's the idea of not giving up, staying persistent, staying determined. But they send it four times. Like maybe I got two in me, maybe three in me. But in my flesh, I don't know. I don't know. But yet, look at Nehemiah. You've got to love him. Again, the, the hand of the Lord is on his life. His tenacity, his resiliency, every time, every time, every time, same answer. Well, there's something to learn here today, every time. But then Sambalat, he sends it a fifth time. Are you Just give it a rest. He gives it a, a fifth time. This fifth time, he's like, you know what? This time I'm going to add another letter on top of that. And look at this letter. This letter is just full of lies. It's an accusation against Nehemiah. He's like, you know, it's been reported. Gesem says it's true that you're planning a revolt. Oh, yeah, you're building that wall for a revolt. And according to these reports that you want to be king, right? That's what I heard. The prophets you're putting up to line and to proclaim that you're going to be king. But Nehemiah, be careful because you know what? That report is going to get back to the king. You don't, want to, you don't want to get in that kind of trouble. So, Nehemiah, again, come. Let us gather together. Come on, Nehemiah. Let us meet together. Nehemiah's reply, so good. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. Woo, that was good. That was so good. So look at what Nehemiah does next. It's so important we catch this because he is under attack. And, and again, some of you feel like you're in a season that you're under attack. And, and you actually can relate. You're like, yeah, Dan, it isn't one time. It's one, two, three, four, five times. But look what he does, verse 9. He's such a wise leader. In, in church, I felt this uh, for you, that I want us to be wise. The Lord wants us to be wise. In a world full of people making stupid decisions, could we be wise in the Lord? So this is what he writes. Verse 9, they were all trying to frighten us. They, they were thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it won't be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. And if you could actually keep that verse up on the screen, because I want to make a point about verse 9. What I saw when I read that, I was like, oh, you know what he's doing? He is figuring out the strategy of the enemy. Right? He's considering the the strategy, the plans of the enemy. He's like, okay, so my enemy thinks that he can scare us. He thinks he can scare us so much that my hands and the hands of these people are going to be so weak that we can't complete the work. So watch what he does. He then prays specifically and strategically right at the place where Sanballat is attacking. Right? Sanballat thinks he's going to make my hands weak. So Lord, strengthen my hands. That's so good. Some of you need to think about that. 
Where are you being attacked? Pray right at that place of attack. But it gets worse. All right, keep reading chapter 6. Nehemiah goes to the house of Shemaiah. Shemaiah prophesies to Nehemiah, you got to go hide in the temple. People are coming to kill you. But Nehemiah realizes, this is crazy. Nehemiah realizes the only reason that Shemaiah is prophesying this is because Tobiah and Samballot, they literally hired him to say it. I mean, it's lies on top of lies on top of lies. So what does Nehemiah do next? He again specifically prays right into that place where he's being attacked. This is his prayer. Verse 14, remember Tobiah and Sambalat, my God, because of what they have done. Then he adds another prophet. Remember also the prophet Noadiah and how she and the rest of the prophets have been trying to intimidate me. And praise the Lord. Verse 15, the wall was completed. The wall was completed. When the enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid. They lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. Again, the hand of, the God, uh, of God was on Nehemiah and all his people. Now, if this was a movie, I think that would be a great place for the movie to end. Like fade to black. What happens next? The, the letters come up on the screen. The end. The credits roll. But alas, this is not a movie. It's life. And the opposition keeps coming. And I want to remind us all of that. I don't know if that's encouraging or not, but that's reality. Opposition will keep coming. Welcome to planet Earth. Welcome to life. Jesus himself tells us in this world you will have trouble. Now he also says, take heart, I have overcome the world. But opposition, it's a part of life. But life spring, how do we stand against the opposition? How do we take our stand? It's so important that in the face of opposition, again, you pray and that you hear from the Lord. As a Jesus follower who has the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you, it's vital that you are listening to his voice. I love in our pre-service prayer this morning, Grace had us just be quiet before the Lord. We didn't say anything. We just waited on the Lord. That's vital for your life, church. Not to go onto your YouTube video, not to go onto your social media feed, not to do any of those things in your quiet time, but to quiet your heart, quiet your mind, quiet your soul, and wait upon the Lord and hear His voice. Hear His voice, sense His leading. But again, this is where so many of us get stuck. You're already sensing His leading, but if you're sensing His leading, actually do what He says. Follow His leading. He's the leader. You're the follower. You're only a follower if you're actually following him. Follow his voice. Again, that happens as you wait upon the Lord. I was led this week to Isaiah. When the Lord says this to Isaiah, he says, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Isn't that good? So good. And I think in our current climate, you're going to need that word from the Lord. Because there will be times when you're afraid. And you need the Lord to whisper to you, do not be afraid. There's going to be times when you're going to feel so defeated and discouraged and down. And you're going to need to hear your good, good father say, son, daughter, do not be discouraged. There's going to be times when you feel weak, like you can't go another day. And the Lord needs to speak to your heart. I will strengthen you. 
And there are times when you're in the pit. There's times when you feel like you have fallen down. And you need to hear that precious word, that powerful word from your Lord, that I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Remember, your true enemy, the devil, your true enemy, not that family member, right? Not your coworker, not your neighbor, your true enemy. First Peter 5, 8 says that your true enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But Peter says, resist him. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Because you know that your brothers, your sisters, Christians all around the world are un- un- undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So resist him. Stand firm in the faith. The devil's always scheming. He's always scheming. But church, be wise to his schemes. Be wise to his strategy. And pray to the Lord specifically, strategically, right at that point of attack. This is a life-giving message for some of you. This could set you free. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Right there where the enemy is doing his work, that's where you pray. Specifically, strategically. If he's attacking your marriage, pray right there for your marriage. If he's attacking your peace, if he's attacking your joy, if he's attacking your abundant life, pray right there. It's like what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, hey church, we are not ignorant of his schemes. Life spring, you do not have to be ignorant of his schemes. And, and again, I'm not saying that you have to blame everything on the devil. Like I don't think that's the way to go either. But come on, consider what you're walking through. Consider, you can't make it up. Consider what some of you are walking through. There just might be an enemy who's taken some pretty big shots at you and at the abundant life that you have in Jesus. And remember, the devil is a liar. He's a liar. Jesus himself declares in John 8, he says, there's no truth in him. When he lies, he is speaking his native tongue, for he is a liar and the father is of lies. Did you notice Nehemiah came up against this, didn't he? When he came up against Sanballat, everything that Sanballat says to Nehemiah is a lie. It's a lie. And by the way, church, a half-truth is still a lie. People all over our society, our culture, are believing half-truths about just about everything, about sexuality, about alcohol, about identity, about love, about everything. And yet a half-truth is still a lie. Jesus, by the way, does not give you half-truths. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is truth. And you have the spirit of truth living inside of you. So let the spirit of truth remind you of what is true and let every single lie from the enemy, from the pit of hell, be burned up and cast away in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm right there with you. We are all tempted from time to time to believe his lies. And yet you and I have the power and authority in the name of Jesus to take our stand against the lies and the father of lies. You're going to face evil on a daily basis. Again, I know that's not really encouraging but it is the way it is but even as you face evil you do not have to be afraid yet in your flesh in our flesh in our humanness you will have times when you're terrified 
But in that moment, it's the spirit that rises up. It's the spirit of the Lord that speaks this over your life. You, Daniel Allen Burst, be brave, be strong and courageous. It's like what Steve Dalton said. And I love that you're here today, Steve, and we've been praying for you and your health. But Steve wrote this on Thursday morning. He said, 1 Timothy 4.1 makes it very clear that in the latter times, there will be those who depart from the ways of the Lord. But this is what Steve says. He says, let me forever cling to the finished work. Let me cling to the promises of God. Let me cling to the ways of the old rugged cross. Church, we are the ones who cling to the cross. Church, we are the ones who stand on the rock. We hold on to the promises of God, like Jesse said, that are yes and amen in Christ. We are the ones, yes, you're going to face opposition. It's part of living. But you, remember what you have and who you are in the name of Jesus. You are not one who cowers. You are not one who backs away. But you are one who falls onto your knees and you pray in the name of Jesus. You pray and you listen for the Spirit of God to speak to you specifically and strategically. And you are brave enough to move forward into what he's calling you to do. Nehemiah, Nehemiah just, it's a beautiful example. I love this passage. I hope it's encouraged you. It's, it's encouraging. It's exciting. It's empowering. He's a great leader. But come on. We have it better than Nehemiah ever had it. We do. Because we stand on the other side of the cross. We stand on the other side of the cross. The cross. You remember what happened at the cross? It's where Jesus said, it is finished. The cross where he said, I'm making a way where there seemed to be no way. I'm setting you free. I'm forgiving you of your sins. I'm bringing you into a salvation that gives you abundant, eternal life. At that cross, Satan, whatever grip he had on your life, he lost that grip. In fact, the sin debt, it was paid. Tetelestai, paid in full. See, because of Jesus, you now have the promised privilege of the Holy Spirit leading you, helping you. From the inside, I mean, you don't have to, I mean, even here, like, we don't have to be like, oh, God, where are you? Like, God, could you come? Or God, where? Maybe over here, or maybe. No, you just say, God, living spirit of God who lives inside the temple, that is my body. Help me today. Help me today. Help me today. Some of you just need to hear that today. You don't need another seven steps or eight steps or nine steps to really hearing from the Lord. Just yield and surrender to the Lord. It's our own rebellion and stiffness of heart that sometimes is the biggest obstacle from hearing. We have so many questions, so much pessimism, so much criticism, so much negativity. Sometimes we just got to stop talking. And yield. Oh, God, I'm a mess. My mind is a mess. My, my, my attitude is a mess. But, God, you're not a mess. In fact, you bring order out of chaos. That's who you are. So I tried my way. It's not working. So I'm done. And I'm getting attacked. And the letter keeps on being sent again and again and again and again. And my way isn't working. So God, here I am. I seek you, Lord. I cry out to you knowing that you hear me. And that you're going to answer. You're going to answer. And whatever that answer is, whether I like it or not, you're God, I'm not. And I'm going to trust in you. I'm tired of trusting in my ways. I'm tired of trusting in my retirement. I'm tired of trusting in my job. I'm tired of trusting in the stock market. I'm just tired of trusting in my ways. I trust in you.
And then you hear his voice. My Pentecostal brother and sister, you can hear the voice of God. He is living inside of you. Hear his voice and walk out what he's asking you to do. Amen? Amen. So church, I want to speak some words from scripture over your life. And if you would, if you would stand, if everyone would stand, if worship team, if you'd come up, I want to speak these words over you, that they would be received in this room right now, afresh and anew. I know we're all at different places in our journey, but the powerful word of God, it can speak into any situation and every circumstance. Do you believe that, church? So wherever you're at, receive these words again. Ephesians 6, starting at verse 10. Some of you maybe need to close your eyes. Others of you maybe put out your hands. Whatever it is for you to receive again from the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. See, for our struggle, it's not against flesh and blood. It's not. And though I'm sometimes convinced it is, it's not. That's not my struggle. Our struggle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Put on the full armor of God, life spring, so that when the day of evil comes, you, you may be able to take your stand, to stand your ground after you have done everything to Stand. Stand firm then. Stand with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Stand with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Stand with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Every single arrow that is pointed at you with the shield of faith, every single one can be extinguished in the mighty name of Jesus. Every one with the shield of faith, every single attack, every single arrow, every single weapon formed against you shall not prosper in the mighty name of Jesus. Take the helmet of salvation. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Like spring, we're going to sing this song again. And as we sing, I'd invite you to just spend time with Jesus, to do some of these things that we just talked about, to, to pray to the Lord pray to God. And that can happen in your seat. That can happen, really, a freedom in this place. However you want to do that. If you need to go in the back corner, you can go in the back corner. For others of you, if you want to kneel in the front, you can kneel in the front. It would be an opportunity to pray to the Lord. And again, these are not futile prayers. These are prayers that are powerful and effective in the mighty name of Jesus. There's strategy 
in these prayers. The strategy of heaven. I believe that the Lord is going to download to so many of us today a word that we need to hear to take the next steps. It might not be the answer we are even looking for, but I've noticed he is so faithful to give us the next right step. So as we sing together, again, hear from the Lord. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. That's why I trust in God. Amen.